0: Oh, stomping Jen. I don't know. Here we are. You here do know. Are. You're right. sitting right here, of That's course right. you know. Okay. On this episode, yes. we are going to be talking about coffee. I
1: love coffee.
0: Coffee roasting. I eat coffee right now. Coffee roasting. Yeah. With Andrea and Tim Monson from Monsoon Coffee Roasters. And I'm giving myself One of these for saying all of that without tripping over it. Um, Cool. Yeah. They um, are operating an amazing coffee roastery in a town near ours, Springfield, Massachusetts. I
1: don't know if you could say it's a
2: town.
0: It's not a town. It's pretty much a city. Everything's a town to me. All right. That's the kind of person I am.
1: All right. Well, let's get to it. All right.
0: Okay. Here we go. The Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. All right, Stomping Jen. Yes? Here we are. (laughs) We said that already, didn't we? I know, I feel like I'm
2: having deja vu like all over again.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk coffee. This is going to be a coffee talk episode. And we're here with Andrea and Tim Munson from monsoon coffee roasters so let's say hi to andrea and tim hello andrea and tim
1: hey, hey. what's
0: happening <laughs> thank you for coming on um to talk to us and i i really appreciate it because i understand you are doing this after an escaped dog incident so um i <laughs> yes. i appreciate you um working some time and to chat with us about um your business and what you're doing with all this coffee down there and Springfield Mass. So I want to start off. Um, I usually do a um a not so great job of introducing people. Yeah. I leave out important so you things. You let them introduce right. themselves. So um we're gonna give you an opportunity just to tell us anything you want to about yourselves that I may have missed.
1: Yeah. You want to take that?
2: Um gosh, okay. Um uh, Andrea, I am Tim's wife. <laughs> Um he is the talent. He is the coffee roaster. Mm. And I do the uh the marketing and market research and uh social media aspect. Um and yeah, Tim. Yeah. Uh,
1: and together we make monsoon, um, along with a small team of uh some of our friends. And uh yeah, we make really cool coffee for uh people in our own community community. Um that's kind of what we're focused
0: on. Yep, and that community is Springfield, Massachusetts. Right, that's a large metropolitan type city in mm-hmm. western Massachusetts. Right, it's not Stompy John. It's not a town.
2: Third, third largest city, I think, in Mass. Yeah,
1: third largest some... city, Um, but a city without any coffee producers at all. Yeah. Um, so we stepped in to fill that gap. Cool. Um, and yeah, we love it. We found our home.
0: Yep. And h- how did you? come to open up um, Monsoon Coffee Roastery. Tell us about that.
1: Uh, so it started when we were pregnant with our daughter and uh, I, was really yeah, <laughs> I was just really frustrated. Seven years
0: ago.
1: I was just really frustrated going to work every day uh, and, and just kind of ended up with a, a paycheck that I wasn't happy about. Um, mainly just because it was from somebody else and it was for somebody else's dreams and so I, I came home home one day and I was like listen uh, we gotta find a way to make a way for ourselves and make a way for our future and to stop working for other people's dreams uh, and start figuring out our own and, that must uh, that's have how it got birth
0: that sounds like a scary thing to do it was t-
2: terrifying yeah. as someone I was in graduate school Tim was finishing his his uh bachelor's and I'm like Oh my God, who did I marry? <laughs> he doesn't want to have a job. Know,
1: stuck. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I quit my job. I had a, I had a job working in risk management. Um, and I left that and started working for a brewery. And then I, I hurt, I hurt my shoulder and, and had to quit that. So I started working for, uh, like a small lunch restaurant, um, under the table. <laughs> right before we we're going to have our daughter, um, but all, all that time I started, I was roasting coffee and um, uh, we just, I just had a hunch that that could be a good way for us.
0: Where did you get the name Monsoon Coffee Roastery? How'd you settle on that? Is it connected to your actual last names? Yes. Yeah. So
1: our last name is spelled like the town. Mm-hmm. M-O-N-S-O-N. Um, no relation. No relation. My dad is from California and somehow ended up here. And uh, now there's a town named after us. And a bank. And there's, a bank. And
2: they don't give us any money.
1: i am <laughs> for the future. Yeah, that'd be nice. Okay. Um, so whenever you put our name into like uh, text any, message any or product. Microsoft Word at the time, yeah. that was still a thing. Um, it changes it to Monsoon. So we just kind of went with it. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, it's a powerful name when I think about the the weather system yeah. it's associated sure. with. You know, it's just that name has a power to it. And it for sure. it evokes wetness. Coffee is stomping <laughs> Jen. Coffee is wet.
2: <laughs> I want a monsoon of coffee in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um
0: so Andrea and Tim, so you you got into this coffee business and um and I'm assuming you love coffee right? Oh yeah. Um, What do you love about coffee? What is it about this, this substance that you love this bean, this substance? what What do you like about it?
1: I love, I love, um, the reactions that happen during the process of roasting. Um, it's a really unique experience that changes from coffee to coffee. And, uh, it's something that, most people don't actually get to partake in all the time. You know, everybody gets to drink coffee, um, but the actual process of roasting itself is is quite magical um, and and smells beautiful. And
0: uh, yeah, it's, it's very uh,
2: creative too. You can yeah. take it wherever you want.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And it's- I do. And I do have some questions for you about the process. Um, and we'll get to that. Um, I kind of wanted to talk to you about. The three core beliefs that you outline mm-hmm. on your um, Monsoon Coffee Roastery website, which I suggest people listening to this go check out. Mm-hmm. It's a great website. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent some time looking at it. Um, the first one there was finding sustainable and environmentally friendly solutions to produce mm-hmm. coffee that has less of a carbon footprint and working towards being zero waste. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what that, what that means um, to you? as people who are uh, procuring and making coffee?
1: Yes. I think it's just, uh, uh, we put into our core values that we need to find better ways to do, to operate business and to create revenue. Um, you know, there's, there's easier ways and there's harder ways and there's ways that are better for the earth and there's ways that are worse. Um, and sometimes it's a little bit harder to do things in a way that doesn't hurt the earth. Uh, but, if you work it into the way you set your business up and the way you build your business, um, then it makes it easier to not compromise. Um, so we set that up in our goals first and foremost, because, um, we just feel like we have a responsibility for us as humans to do our part in everything we do.
0: Um,
1: you know, we can't do everything, but we can do our part. And so that's, that's, you know, part of our core beliefs.
0: Yeah, I love that. We're all we're all living here on this earth, and we we want to keep drinking this coffee, right? It's true. Um, yeah. And we've talked to a lot of farmers um, on our podcast, um, and um, one of the things that I've taken from them is that um, uh, large industrial scale producers do create a lot of damage mm-hmm. and yeah. waste. And is that the same in the um, coffee the industry? industry? Um,
1: I mean, yes and no. It
2: depends on what kind of farm
1: you have. Um, there's more of an impact right now from, from things like global warming, um, and from a lack of, uh, crop diversity than, than anything else in the coffee industry.
2: If anything, like coffee is actually endangered, right? So there, there might be, there may come a time where we actually won't have any coffee plants to produce coffee from, you know, so that's really scary.
1: You know, there's a big fungus called uh, coffee rust that Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't, nobody in the industry has really found a solution for to help ward it off. So it's just overtaking plants in many different countries.
2: So once, once the coffee rust settles in, that's it. Your, your plants are dead. And the thing with coffee is it, it takes 14 years from, from planting to harvesting to actually get a coffee plant to be, you know, to produce what you need. So you know, it takes a long time to get a plant to be you know healthy and pro- and producing. And once the coffee plant gets rust, that's it; it's dead. And you know, um, we work with small coffee farms. We work with co-ops, so it's usually a lot of different farmers coming together in a region and pooling their their crops together. And so that's that's what allows us to get really really delicious specialty coffee that you just can't get at Dunkin Donuts or Starbucks because mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not um scalable right they can't afford to just sell right. that coffee so you get like these really great notes of uh, caramel and toffee and pineapple and um you know some of the coffee farms they grow plantains with it or they gl- or they grow other kinds of plants that actually add to the ecosystem of of the dirt and of the soil and so you get like these coffees that have different notes and different flavors because of the other plants that they're grown along with, um, in order to make it a, a sustainable ecosystem. So, huh. um,
0: that is yeah, fascinating. Uh, it is It is. Yeah. And
2: it I is. had,
0: I had no idea that the plant had such a mm-hmm. long life cycle, like yeah. 14 years. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: Even the crop cycle is long. Um, you know, it's grown in, in regions closer to the equator, but it still has a 10 month, uh, crop cycle so it takes basically go from seed to harvest in 10 months and then another uh month for processing uh, before it even gets sent out of the country Mm wow um you know so it's it's really important that we for us that that we find you know really good coffees and coffees that are sourced from people that are doing better practices Um, Because they spend all the time with it. You know, we get the coffee and and I spend 15 minutes roasting it, um, you know, after we've done our research and and our testing on it. And in production, it's 15 minutes a batch um, at most, Um, Mm. usually a little bit less. So, you know, our job is really to um, pass along the the hard work that the farmers have done um, creating coffee.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Um, your other, another, um, of your core values is building social capital among our community and with other businesses. And that one I really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, what does that mean to you?
1: Um, so it's, it's something we found along the way that it's a lot more fun to be in business, um, and to work with other people than to try to just make it on our own. Um, you know, Uh, we've worked really hard to create really good coffees and and create really great partnerships with the coffees we we do use. Um, But I'm not a baker. So like in our espresso bar, we have a rotating um, list of bakers that we have pastries coming through every week. Um, Some of those people buy our coffee, some of them don't. Um, You know, working with other businesses in the area to just help pump whatever they're doing or work with them for whatever projects they want to do and Mm -hmm um finding ways to uh create value in our community as a whole and, and keep uh keep the, the the life cycle of a dollar um just help extend that a little bit further. Um, you know yeah. we started yeah. our, our provisions program in COVID to help some of the vendors uh that we used to work with at farmers markets uh continue to sell their products yeah, yeah. to build a you know because none of us were sure what a farmers market would look like in the spring of last year and you know, so we created an online platform to help facilitate some of that stuff. Um, you know, and that's, it's literally like something we don't make much money on, but we're working (laughs) with a whole bunch Mm of other businesses mm -hmm. and it's, it's really great. Um, yeah, I'm a strong believer in cross collaborative projects. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the, um, a rising tide lifts all boats concept, right?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, there's enough money in the market for everybody. Uh, you know, and, and, the dollar goes further if we work together instead of trying to compete. So, exactly. um,
0: and I just want to, yeah. And I just want to mention to people again, uh, Tim mentioned, um, the monsoon provisions. They have a a tab on, um, you have a tab on your website where Mm -hmm. you can go on and order like local products Mm -hmm. and arrange to get them picked up safely. And, Mm -hmm. um, under the current, uh, pandemic type of situation so um, people go check that out yep Um, you can see a whole bunch of different types of products on there Um, and and the last core value um, you know bringing high quality freshly roasted coffee to local residents businesses Mm -hmm. and partners I love that (laughs) because I love high quality coffee (laughs) I do I've we've purchased your coffee I love it yep
1: it's It's good coffee that's true
0: um thank you. Yeah. Anything more you want to say about that last core value? I mean, it does speak for itself.
1: Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's basically that's what we do every day. Um, yep. you know, that's the I mission. Them. My
2: my my favorite um illustration of that is having someone order a decaf coffee, handing them the decaf coffee and then handing it back to me and saying, You've given me regular by accident. And that's awesome. then I'm like, nope. I gave you decaf, but it's just really good coffee.
0: <laughs> Do you decaffeinate the beans there at your location? No.
2: Yeah, no we comes... work with a farm that specializes in providing specialty decaf coffee. So they they so most decaf coffees will be old coffees that never really sold. And so they ship them off to either, what is Canada and uh, Norway? Uh, Greenland. Greenland? Yep. Yeah. To get decaffeinated through a chemical process, then they get shipped back to the country, the cu- country of origin, and then they try to sell it as decaf coffee. This farm grows specialty coffee, decaffeinates them through a um, a sugarcane water process, mm-hmm. and ships them out fresh as specialty decaf coffee. So we love working with this farm. It's in um, they're in Colombia. Um, it's a sweet coffee. So I had it this afternoon as a decaf. Uh, Um, Cause it'll be four o'clock in the afternoon and I still want a latte, but I don't want to like stay up all night. So I'll have the decaf coffee. It's, it's so good. It just, uh, the, the sweetness of the bean adds to like the, you know, the, the sweetness of the milk that you're using. And if you, I love maple oat lattes, that's my go-to. So a decaf maple oat latte. It's just, oh, it's it's amazing. You're selling
0: on you're selling me on it. We haven't tried your decaf, <laughs> decaf <laughs> coffee yet. I think I have to just because yeah. a, as as a personal preference, it's not something I would ever consider. But now yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, now I think I need to. Mm. We're gonna have to try that. Um,
2: <laughs> it's all the flavor, and none of none of the guilt.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, you you picked um for your location Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, this city. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? Does this location in some way um, have any significance? Did you pick that location for a reason? Does it does, does it align with your core values in a particular way? Like, did you say, we want to be here?
2: No.
1: No, it no shows way. Us.
2: It chose us.
1: Yeah.
2: We did everything in our power to leave Springfield, Massachusetts. Everything. <laughs> totally. We went to Florida. We went... Tim went to Philadelphia, <laughs> all places. Yeah. Um, and it it felt almost like a force that was pulling us back. It mm. was like a a rubber band, like mm, come back here.
0: Mm.
2: Um, and we were just like, all right, let's let's just you know, we we did Tim did his his good uh, due diligence of doing research around the area, and there was just no real coffee producers for twenty miles yeah, we within you know a twenty miles ra- radius, yeah. right?
1: So we realized the market opportunity. Um, and, uh, yeah, we settled in for it and it's been great.
2: Yeah. We dove into Springfield and Springfield as a city, uh, the people were, were just so proud to have a product that was from Springfield, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that they really made it easy for us to kind of get the word around. Cause they really just did it themselves. People just told people and told people and told people and that really helped us.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So I want to switch back to talking about coffee a little bit more about the plant. Um, Where, where is this plant grown? It's uh, grown up in the mountains, right? And that's part of the The issue. Yeah. It's part of the issue, right? It has a really Mm -hmm. special ecosystem it needs. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit more about where it's grown for us?
1: Yeah. So it's mostly grown along the equator. So you can find it all around the globe, but mostly around the equator. Um, and the specialty coffee, like we buy, is is all located um, usually meters. Yeah, anywhere anywhere above a thousand meters. Sometimes a little bit lower for things in um, in like Brazil um, or like uh, like Vietnam or Asia. Uh, but for the most part, it's really really high grown um, for the for the for the more um, specialty grade coffees. Um, it needs a a very Specific climate that is pretty constant all year, um, and it likes coffee likes uh, volcanic soils and things that are very carbon rich.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I noticed on a lot of your packaging and other coffee packages I've seen, they are very. Um, they make a point to put the elevation that the mm-hmm. coffee yeah. was grown at on there. Is
1: mm-hmm. there anything?
0: specific about elevation that translates into like the taste of the coffee or the quality of the coffee? Anything?
1: Um, again, it has a lot to do with the density of the bean. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you were to look at a coffee bean under a microscope, um, it would look more like a sponge, um, almost like a sponge that's dried and hard. Uh, so there's, there's tons of holes running through it. It's very porous. Um, and, uh, that porousness makes it susceptible to absorbing whatever is in the air around it. So, um, where it's stored can affect it, where how it's transported can affect it. Um, and, and how it's uh, contained, you know, in the, in the sack itself can actually affect it. Um, and so the elevation is going to change kind of that density and its willingness to kind of accept those things. A little mm. bit. Um, I don't think the, I don't think it has like the biggest factor on taste, uh, but some people really want to know like what their elevation was and and growing conditions and whether it was shade grown or not, or, you know, whether it's um, grown in volcanic soil or, or growth. Those
2: those are like the hot topic words, but like, for example, um, your Robusta beans, right. Which are Mm -hmm. like the high caffeine. So like, um, Bustello, right. Mm Bustello coffee. That's a Robusta bean. That's typically like a low grade bean. It's a, It's grown in low altitude. So we tried to secure a Robusta bean that's actually high altitude specialty grade coffee. So they've, uh, these farmers have taken the time to, um, transplant that plant from altitude higher every year to get higher and higher Mm. and higher. And so the, the, the air quality changes the way that the plant obviously like, you know, grows and, and thrives. And so, um, the robusta bean has gone from like a lower tier quality bean to a really high specialty bean. You see like the death wish coffees. Yeah. Um, those are all mostly they're half Arabica, half robusta, but, um, they're really trying to secure a bean that just has a better, a better taste, better flavor than, than your kind of bitter Bustello.
0: Yeah, we, I think we got a bag of your, um, Robusto coffee. Yeah, we did. And it's intense. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. I
2: don't drink it. It's, it's, it makes you sweat if you're not. Yeah. And and
0: I do, I drink a lot of coffee. So, and that that was, that was challenging for me. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so these beans, okay. They're, they're, these plants, they're growing up there on the mountain and they're, how are they picked? Are they, Pick by, by hand? hand. Do people yeah. come through with bags and yeah. pick them? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. It's actually a pretty grueling process. It's super
1: Because usually it's grown on like mountainsides, right? So it's not like you're walking through a flat field. You're no, literally, it's
2: pretty hard. You're
1: literally hiking on a, on steep hillsides and and picking these shrubs. Um, they look like they look like cherries being grown, like almost like the way grapes
0: are yeah
2: um, They're kind of like blueberries right yeah, like blueberry yeah. bushes mm-hmm. a little bit bigger
0: yep they yeah. but they... I,
2: it's not easy, like especially uh those those specialty farms where they're small co-ops <clears throat> these are these are farmers who are picking them themselves yep. and harvesting themselves or sometimes you sun dried sometimes not, but yeah it's it's not easy, that's why it's a little bit more expensive, and it wouldn't be scalable for like a dunkin donuts or a a starbucks even because it's just not it's not affordable to
1: there are bigger farms like some of the bigger uh, commodity farms uh that will will use uh like machines that can harvest uh Mm -hmm. but it's harvesting everything at once uh whereas like you know not every uh cherry on the branch is going to be ready at the same time Mm -hmm. Um, so when they're picked by hand it allows the workers to focus on only the ripe beans um, and that way you get a more consistent crop yield and you can go back and pick the ones that haven't ripened later when mm-hmm. they do. Um, so, you know, it's a lot like a lot of other things. Um, it's
2: handmade coffee, yeah. right? It's yeah. like, it just takes a lot more time and, and
1: more yeah, care. Mean, after it's picked off the branch, it has to be milled. So, you know, like the inside the fruit is two seeds and those seeds are the coffee beans. So there's two of them in each little cherry. Do um, they get milled? Get,
0: do they get milled at yeah. the source of picking?
1: Most of the time, yeah. So yeah. um when we work with single farms, single owner farmers, um, or cooperatives, um usually those will have milling right on site. Uh there's other like unions and and regional operatives. Um, like like in places like Indonesia, there isn't really on site farm mills. Everything is uh by region. So you bring your crop down to the regional mill and they process it and grade it for you for export. Um so it really depends on the country and, and um, even down to the sub-region in, in the country sometimes. Hmm. How do you how do you find these farms? Like, did you go <laughs> travel down to the yes. equator? And, like, no, I know, wish. One, day, that's, one, day, one yeah. that's
2: That's the next step. <laughs> that's
1: the funnest part of the job, I think, for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so we work with brokers. And basically, their job is to send people around the world all mm-hmm. year round and form relationships with these uh you know, mill processors and farmers Mm -hmm. and people in town selling coffee. And
2: And there's some brokers who, there's some companies, brokerage companies who really invest in these farmers, right? So they'll, they'll find a co-op that's like doing everything, growing sustainable coffee. Some are rainforest um, grade coffee farms and they'll invest in their farm. They'll get them better equipment. They'll get them funding for, you know, extra labor or something, and so we like working with the brokers because we know that they're finding farms that are sustainable, which kind of mm-hmm. feed into our own model. But also that the that the work and labor is fair, right? So there's a lot of um, there's even like slavery within like some some farms um, some coffee farms like in South America. Uh, so you have to be really careful when you're, when you're working with a broker, especially if you're looking at certain farms to make sure that that's not one of the processes, right? So it's, it's on us to do our due diligence, to make sure that the coffee that we're bringing to people is a fair coffee in, in all respects, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And so you, and so, um, you get the coffee, it comes to you in these big burlap sacks right and it's just mm-hmm. um, like Tim described it's this fill of the raw um, seeds green the yeah. green beans so then you roast them right you do that on yep. site where mm-hmm. your your roastery is um, yes, indeed. so do you have this may be the stupidest question I ask um, do you have like a roasting philosophy or a, like a preferred approach to roasting is there such a thing as a roasting philosophy
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, we call it profiling. Um,
0: Tell us about that. And, uh,
1: so I have a set uh, set of, I have like a, a, a handful of parameters that we'll use uh, when we're roasting and, or even trying to, trying to test out what coffees we would like to see if would work. Um, so it'll start with, you know, we'll get samples in. Uh, so when we're looking at a new region or new crops that are coming into port, uh, you know, we'll get 10 or 15 samples. And uh, we'll roast all those little samples up, usually mm-hmm. okay. about maybe maybe a quarter of a pound, a third of a pound at a time, um, in a few different profiles. So a couple different rates of rise um, or or sequences um, to see what brings out the sugars or the acidity of it. Um, what kind of a roast level is gonna is gonna bring out better taste profiles for the coffee itself. Um, and then we'll cup them, uh, I'll cup them without knowing, uh, what coffee is from where so that I'm not biased by price or by origin. Um, and we find the coffees we like and don't like, and then we go from there. Um, once I find a coffee I like, I'll find, um, a, a, a roast style or a profile that, that I feel fits the bean the best. Um, and then we'll put that into production.
0: And what does that, what does that roasting look like? How do you do it? Like, what is the actual process? Does it go in like an oven or is, how do you do that? So
1: we have, um, we have a fluid bed coffee roaster. So it's a lot different than what most, uh, coffee companies roasters look like. It's basically, um, a giant, if you could picture like an old school air popcorn popper, mm, yeah. um, where you kind of throw the the kernels in the bottom and it you plug it in and the hot air starts pumping out until it pops it's it's a a similar process to that Um, basically we throw our a a big load of beans into um, almost like a megaphone cone that's upside down that's being pumped with hot air through it um, really fast so it kind of lifts the beans up and sends them back down to the bottom um, and keeps them in a in like a fluid rotation even though they're not a fluid item
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. what do you is there something you prefer about that method is or is that what you just started with or is like what is it about that method that you like
1: um so there's a couple things originally i switched to it uh because i wanted to be able to roast coffee um on 100 renewable energy mm. um and electric roasting on a, a traditional drum style roaster is just not very accurate um it doesn't give you very much control in your parameters while you're roasting uh whereas this style had a lot more nuance to it um and it kind of allows you to bring out um kind of more truer flavors in the coffee because you're not um you don't have to depend on it grabbing its heat from a from a a source that's solid um it's grabbing its its heat source is being cooked through the air um and then also uh i can i can make tiny, tiny little changes. I can turn my burners off and turn them right back on instantly. Uh, if I change the airflow just a little bit, I can change my rate of rise on my temperature and how fast I'm cooking it. Um, and so it just it just gives more control that that also um, allows us to have more clarity.
0: Is the roasting process one where you have to be paying attention from the minute you flip that switch to the minute you turn it off? It's, it's not like... You know, putting it set it and forget it's it. It's not set it and forget it. It's not like a Ron Popeel no. type of situation.
1: <laughs> they um you know, there are some really cool roasting machines that you can get now. Oh, oh, my, goodness, my, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my god, my <laughs> dog. Folks,
0: we're watching a dog <laughs> leap onto Tim.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all over. Yep. I know. He's a good dog. Um so they do make some roasters now that you can automate your, your profiles. So basically like once I find that profile, like I can just tell the machine to do it every time. Um, I do every, everything we do is by hand. Um, so yeah, I have to pay attention from the second we drop a batch into the second, it cools down. Um, you know, we can miss a mark by 30 seconds and it can ruin an entire <laughs> batch of coffee. Um, so it is, it is something where it's very, it, it takes a lot of discipline Um, and a lot of practice uh, to be able to tell what you're doing and and, uh, what changes you make, um, how they affect each step in your roast. Um, And yeah, it's kind of something you have to babysit as you you move along. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, so we talked about you sell um, these Robusto beans, you sell the decaf beans. What other types of beans do you sell at Monsoon Coffee Roastery?
1: Um, So we sell... I mean, we sell a four line of six coffees, yep. and then we do a different limited release every four to five weeks or so. Um, so right now, you know, we have a limited release called Frosty Balls, which is actually a blend. Usually it's a single origin, but this is a blend that we do every year because um, everybody freaking loves it. Um, Frosty Balls is a blend from like Congo and Honduras. Uh, it's super good, really creamy. Um, chocolatey. Chocolatey.
0: I have to get some of those.
1: Frosty balls,
0: yes, <laughs> have to get down there. Um, do you have a favorite, a personal favorite?
1: Andrea says Soul Rave. I'm gonna say Liquid Sunshine. Um, yeah, which are polar opposites. Soul Rave is our dark roast. Um, that's a blend from Brazil and Guatemala. It's just a big old chocolate bomb. Um, always good on espresso, always good on drip coffee. It's just a really good go to. Um, I love liquid sunshine. Uh, the current line from is from Zambia. Um, and it's a really nice, uh, natural process coffee, um, which is a little bit of a different processing method when things get, when the coffee gets picked. Mm -hmm. Um, so it allows for a little bit more, uh, like fruity and (laughs) sugary flavors to come out and, uh, it's uh, it's a little bit more enjoyed as like a drip coffee or with a Chemex.
0: What does um, what does natural process mean? I know I've seen, I saw that on your website a bunch, and you've mentioned it a couple times. Could you just tell us what that means?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um. So there's a few general methods for processing. <laughs> um. <laughs> you know, take him out real quick. He's <laughs> going nuts. Um. So there's a few different general methods for processing coffee um after it's picked uh, at harvest so after getting milled uh the coffee needs to dry and the moisture content needs to be brought down to uh generally roughly around 13 percent, give or take yeah a couple um and so depending on the country and depending on who's running the farm, they'll determine the different methods for processing. A lot of um, Central American and South American countries will do a washed process where they'll wash everything off the bean, so it's nice and clean before it gets laid out on beds to dry. Um, the natural process copies happen a lot more in, in African countries. There's not as much as to free running water. Um, so they'll take the coffee, they'll mill it. And instead of washing it, all the mucilage and pulp from the fruit away, um, they'll leave it sticking to the bean, um, and throw that out to dry. And it causes a little bit more of a fermentation process. Mm. Um, there's a little bit more of, uh, the fruit and just that, that funk that it gives, um, left on the bean.
0: I feel like that uh, would give you a more, I feel like that would give you a more flavorful coffee.
1: Yeah. So like, um, it, it, definitely does. So like in the Zambia, um, you can get some nice apricot notes out of it. Um, just some really nice brighter fruitiness. Whereas like, um, you know, you go a step up into the organic panic, which is from Colombia. It's a really wonderful washed coffee. It's going to be a little bit smoother, less pronounced fruity notes. Um, and sometimes even a little more earthy. Mm. Um, um, and that's just sometimes from the processing.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. I think I like the way this natural processing sounds. Cause I like, um, I like things that have a slightly funk funk to them.
1: <laughs> yeah. You'd probably like um, like wet hold coffees. So like stuff from Indonesia, Sumatra. Um, I used to have one from Vietnam. Actually, I saw that come up on the import list um, oh. where, um, uh, they'll hull it wet and then dry it and it it kind of gives a little bit more of a funk to it that earthiness yeah. um pininess um it's super not grungy but yeah definitely more earth tones tobacco tones mm-hmm. um those that kind of a flavor profile mm-hmm.
0: all right and um you also have um an espresso bar at um Monsoon mon sorry, monsoon at roasters yeah. at your location. So you you yep. make coffee for people to drink. Um Yeah. Do you have a favorite way to prepare coffee?
1: Oh man. Um so well so I'll say every day I drink I drink an American, I drink two Americanos every day, uh two eight ounce Americanos. So I'll make a short triple shot and uh stretch it with a little bit less water than what we'd normally normally put in. so that's my go-to drink every day um but my favorite espresso drink to make is definitely a cortado um it's a really nice introduction to if you really want to get into espresso um so it's it's um equal parts espresso and steamed milk uh so you get a nice rich body of the coffee you get a nice touch of milk but it's nothing that's too overwhelming um and it's, it's not watered down as much like a latte is.
0: Now, some people listening to this, they, I'm sure they've heard the word espresso. They may not know what that is. Can you talk a little bit about what that brewing process is when you're making espresso? Yeah.
1: So espresso is um, coffee brewed, basically coffee brewed hot under pressure. Um, so we grind coffee really fine. And we pack it into what we call a porta filter, which looks like a fancy little handle with a coffee looks like a hockey puck of coffee in it. And then uh, we put that in a machine that basically like just punches it with a whole bunch of pressure at once and, uh, and hot water. And that extracts the coffee in about thirty seconds into a tiny little shot. Um, so it's kind of just like condensing your energy down really fast. Yeah,
0: yeah it is good. It has a sweetness to it. Espresso, it really yeah, brings yeah. out the sweetness in coffee. Yeah. Now, I have been drinking coffee for a long time, um, Stomping Jen. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the superior way to prepare and drink it.
1: I do? I'm, yep.
0: I'm okay. ready to reveal it to okay. our coffee experts here. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. Um, are you ready? Sure. The superior way to drink coffee and prepare it. Yeah. I've got those backwards. Yeah. It's cold brew. Uh Tim is not not reacting the way I expected.
1: Oh, no, I love cold brew. I do, I do. We make a lot of it. How do you make your cold brew?
0: So I bought this little thing, um, this Japanese cold brew maker thing. Um, So it's like a glass carafe, and it has like a little... Um, stainless steel mesh thing in there. So I just grind up my coffee. I throw it in there and I leave it in there for about 12 hours. Um, I'm very impatient. I have to drink it quickly. Um, (laughs) and so then I just, I pour it into a glass over ice, add some almond milk. That's the way to go for me. How do you, how do you make cold brew at your, do you make it at, um, Monsoon?
1: Yeah. So we make, uh, we make 30 gallon batches of cold brew, um, and we make it in-house. So we make that, um, in the summer we're making it just about five days. We're doing that just about five days a week In the winter, not quite as much. Um, but we have a good amount of people that drink cold brew. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's really good. It's a different extraction process, uh, because you're not using heat. And so some people say that it, it's easier on their stomachs or it's less acidic. um, From my testing, I've found that it does actually have a lower pH of just a little bit, usually Mm -hmm. by um, a tenth. I found the
0: flavor profiles to be way more complex with cold brew. Just, I don't know what it is. Like, I can definitely, I think it depends on the bean, maybe. I don't know. They always taste a little more like chocolatey to me, or like, there's just, I can always pick up notes in them. I don't feel like I get out of hot coffee.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a different experience for sure. Um yeah, it it always the chocolatey notes always seem to prevail in cold brew. Um but it's it's really cool what kind of fruity flavors you can pull out too, uh, when you start blending things. I like nitro brew in the summer. Yeah. Heck yeah. Nitro cold brew. We actually actually figured out a way this last summer to um brew nitro cold brew in 6 hours. Um nice under pressure so it's, it's got nitrogen from the start of its brewing process oh, fun. Mm. all the way up into kegging yeah
0: now does that impart a special quality to the finished product that that you've noticed i think so
1: um yeah i mean it adds it, it aerates the coffee a little bit um as it goes through and uh i mean the main reason we use nitrogen is that you know like i said we brew 30 gallon batches and then that goes straight in the kegs um, and so in order to displace the oxygen in the kegs, as you're, uh, taking it out, uh, we, we replace it with nitrogen. Um, we don't, you know, the other option that people do for beer is CO2. Uh, but unfortunately CO2 bonds with water molecules. Um, and then that can create carbonic acid and that, that combined with the coffee tastes really bad. <laughs> mhm <laughs> Um, whereas the nitrogen does not bond with the water molecules. So it sits in there separated, almost like oil and water to, mm-hmm. uh, would do in a glass. Uh, and that's how you get that cool cascade. Um, and beyond that, I'm not actually sure of the chemistry of how it can change the taste. Mm.
0: That's interesting. Have you, I'm wondering if there is a mad science element at all to, preparing coffee like have you experimented with methods that just didn't work like you were trying to come up with something new
1: um yeah yeah um with the cold brew specifically yeah um you know we have a brewing process that is definitely a little bit unconventional um but i think it makes our cold brew stand out a little bit more than other people's um and then uh there's definitely always going to be different ways to prepare coffee. I mean, you can look at, uh, the coffee competitions, uh, across the country and, and see baristas doing just absolutely nuts of things and throwing crazy flavors together that you wouldn't expect. Um, and that's one of the things I love about running the espresso bar is it takes the coffee and, uh, allows us to express a little bit more creativity, mm-hmm. um, in our flavors and palates. You know, this weekend, uh, I made a, A reduction of uh, fresh turmeric and ginger, and then we paired that with some a little bit of brown sugar, and uh, and Meyer lemon, and threw that in a latte um, called the Spicy Vicey, and I mean it's absolutely delicious. Sweet, savory, yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that do go with coffee.
0: (laughs) I need to get down. Tooth is like we're going there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hey. So yeah, we've we've got a, a little coffee roaster joining yep. us. So we'll say hi. We'll say hi. Si- hi to them. Coffee roastery yeah,
1: Padawan.
0: Hi. hi. Thank hi. you. Thank you for letting us borrow your parents. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, so um, I have to think about how to say this delicately. Have you ever tried those beans that were eaten and pooped out by a cat?
1: I haven't tried those ones, but I've had beans that were pooped out eaten and pooped out by an elephant. Um,
0: you gotta help me here. You're a coffee expert. I do not <laughs> understand this.
1: It's um I mean it's animals are one vessel, uh because of how their body processes it it processes it. It's almost like they're milling it, um and starting the drying process all in one. Hmm. Um uh-huh. You know, there's actually a lot of farms now that are trying uh, anaerobic processes in their in their uh, processing uh, before drying. So where they'll hold the beans uh, in tanks of water with yeast um, to spark the fermentation before they even go into the drying phase. Um, and I mean, that's kind of what the animals are doing. Uh, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea.
0: <laughs> did you Did you like it? Did it taste strange in any way?
1: Uh, you know, it tasted, it tasted like coffee. It wasn't like super fresh. Um, Mm. you know, so it was hard to pick up a lot of nuances. Uh, and I think the guy was selling it for like something like 43 or $44 a pound. Um, Oh, geez. I, I didn't buy one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're, we're not going to be looking for that at monsoon roastery. No,
1: I mean, it's a cool hype thing, but yeah, I probably won't. I, it probably won't be something we'll be carrying.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask about, I was on your website recently and you have some of the most, um, vibrant creative packaging I've ever seen. It, they're They're beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about, um, your philosophy towards, um, experimenting and being fun and creative with your products.
1: Oh, I wish uh I wish Andrew is here right now downstairs. <laughs> um so with the cans, uh we just launched those. So thank you so much for the compliment. I appreciate that. Are there beans inside um, those cans?
0: Because we were yeah, having so a we'd... debate of whether it was liquid or beans.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's hard because we started using those can that can shape for our cold brew in the summer. Um, and and we love the packaging so much. Uh, you know we we've been we were working through you know what do we use for packaging to have a more sustainable solution um because it felt so terrible the bags we're using were just had to go in a landfill mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i just we were not okay with that and and um so we went back and forth we looked at compostable packaging we looked at tin packaging we looked at other bags. We looked at these, like we we went through so many different options. Um, And then one day somebody sent me a video about aluminum and, and how it's one of the only things that's actually recyclable um, in the recycling chain that we have in the U S right now. So uh, it really changed the game for what we wanted to look at. Um, Just based on that. I mean, we could, we were like, wow, you know, if I take this aluminum can, I recycle it. Mm -hmm it becomes an aluminum can again in in 6 weeks and not only that 99% of the material you recycled is reused again and you only have to re- reintroduce 1% new material yeah um uh, to me it was it was an absolute like slam dunk for packaging um and then you know for the design we started um we knew we wanted to work with Nate Duval uh, before he even decided we wanted to, um, do new packaging. Uh, I think a couple months after we opened, um, uh, back in 2018, Nate had become one of our regular customers. Um, and I didn't know who he was, Nate, Nate Duvall is, you know, he designed our packaging and worked with us. He's a, he's a graphic designer, um, that lives in the area. Um, and he does, he's done a lot of work for, um, really cool bands like Dave Matthews and the Grateful Dead and oh. all these really cool big names. Okay. Um, and a couple of months after, you know, buying coffee is like, listen, when you're ready to do a, your next iteration, I would love to help you out. Um, just cause whenever I get a bag of coffee, I, I think about all the ways I could, of what I could do with the bag.
0: Yeah. Um, he sees, co- he sees color on a different level or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we were like, well, we want to package that, is is gonna be loud and and fun and and just completely different to what the rest of the industry was is doing which is like boxy and square and very um very in line Mm -hmm. um and we just wanted something that was going to express a little bit more of how we feel and and you know what we want to look like um Cool. And so yeah, that's, that's how we that's how we got there. Right. With we all, also and and
0: yeah, we also want to tell people that um, Monsoon Roastery sells merchandise yeah. on their website, so you can get um, Monsoon Roastery branded shirts and mm-hmm. hats and yep. all sorts of things. Also, accessories for brewing. Right. Right. You, um, we got their. We got
2: our Chemex there. Yeah,
0: I, I need you to help you, me settle a okay. debate real quick. Um, so I have a friend of mine okay. who. Um, are we are, are there children around? Can I say this? No, you All can right. say anything. I have a friend who who claims I'm a coffee douche because I use the Chemex, and he he accuses me of of having paid too much for it. He says my grandmother's uh, Mister Coffee does the same thing. Now I'm <laughs> outraged by this accusation my friend has made, and I'm wondering if you could weigh in as a as a coffee professional.
1: All right, so here's the deal. I mean, my grandma had a Chemex.
0: All right. Your grandma was awesome. Uh,
1: (laughs) So, you know, the Chemex has been around for more than 75 years. It's not a new device. It's very old technology. Um, it's, so it's probably been around longer than the Mr. Coffee. Uh, Yes. Thank you. Everybody, but every, but you know, you're talking to a coffee roaster, so everybody's (laughs) going to have a different level of, of, you know, what, what's your coffee snobbery, right? Yeah. Um, You know, for me, I'm gonna wake up in the morning and make myself an espresso. Yeah, that's the level I'm at. You know, because I this is what I do every day. Um,
0: I love the Chemex. I love it. Heck
1: yeah! I think the Chemex is great. Um, Not everybody wants to put that kind of effort into their morning, and I get that. It's it's not easy.
0: All right. Well, thank you. I I appreciate the expert opinion on that, and I will (laughs) be rubbing that in my friend's um, his nose and that (laughs) that expert opinion. Um, So. What's on the horizon for coffee? What do you think? What is for the monsoon? F- I, I I mean, Andrea. I was a little for monsoon for coffee in general. I mean, I was horrified when Andrea um, mentioned that we, we we could see the end of coffee if this global warming scary. continues. Um, but talk to us a little bit. Where where is the future of coffee going? Products, the the environment. What do you have to say about this?
1: <laughs> um, I think people care about where their coffee comes from because otherwise we won't have coffee one day. Um, I know it's a, it's a grim reality, but it's honestly the truth. Um, and that, I mean, it has to do with more than just coffee, but uh, the amount of effort we're, we're willing to put into where our stuff comes from is the amount that's going to get put back into where it came from. Um, so, you know... <sighs> The coffee market it could look better um but it could also look worse uh yeah. there's still a lot of great coffees around um and I, I still keep seeing them popping up so I'm hopeful that we'll keep seeing a lot a lot more coffee and that um, and that you know people that are consuming coffee will begin to understand uh the volatility of the market, both for price and for um the crop itself, yeah uh yeah and for monsoon we're gonna keep doing awesome things and um, we're gonna keep roasting amazing coffees and and making sure that you know they come from great places and that everybody's getting what they deserve um and uh yeah we got some big plans in store for the year uh we're doing awesome. some really big collaborations with a couple businesses um and that we can hopefully talk about soon and um yeah things are looking cool things are looking up here at monsoon awesome um, we're excited for the end of a pandemic world. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah us too. <laughs>
1: kind of um, just waiting around for that.
0: Before we, before we let you go, um, anything you want to talk about, anything specifically you want to plug, anything you want to address that we may not have hit upon?
1: Um, man, I don't know. I mean, we talked about a lot of really cool stuff i would say can i just
0: say i i could have easily talked to you for three hours and we're gonna have to do <laughs> we're gonna have to do that in the future after yeah. the pandemic i i, I really want to just sit down with with you and andrea and just geek out on on coffee so
1: oh, i love doing that. i'm down for it i'm down okay. for it um i don't know yeah i would say uh check us out online um order some coffee so that you can make better coffee at home. Or if you live near us, come and visit us and yeah. have a cup of coffee with us at our walk up espresso bar. Um, you know, Which that's is what we're a about. Awesomely cool place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. All it's a right. little, it's a little cool destination. Yeah.
0: <laughs> One last question. I have to ask you this. I'm sorry. Um, and you can answer this any way you'd like. Um, we ask all of our guests <laughs> okay. this question. Um, what have you experienced that you cannot explain?
1: Oh god. Can you say that one more time? You cut out. Oh,
0: sorry. Um, what have you experienced that you cannot explain? Ooh.
1: Um So, hold on. Let me think for a second. That's a, that's a that's a hard question to ask right here.
0: It's gonna be a good one. I can feel it.
1: <laughs> Man, I'm trying to think of a really different answer, but the only thing I can really think of, and this is this is gonna be real out of left field for for everybody else. Okay. But, um, I don't understand when uh when you go on a on a spiritual journey of, of doing something like, uh, like taking some, some mushrooms or something like sure. that. Um, I don't understand how it makes everything in your brain fall right outside of it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: It takes all the thoughts in my brain and just makes it all fall outside. So yeah, that's something you I can't, can't explain. explain it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: There are a yes. lot of theories about that. Um, yes. We'll talk more about it yes. on a future episode. Um, yes. Well, thanks for sharing that, um, Tim. We really Definitely. appreciate it. I know it. that's super out of left
1: field. Nope. That's okay. Crazy, no, you know we,
0: yeah. um, we talked to um, a gentleman named Dave Ironman, who is a shamanic coach and oh um, uh, acupuncture uh, professional. And I asked him actually quite a lot of questions about plant medicine, including... Um, mushrooms and psilocybin. So um, check out that episode that he, he had some insights into that actually, I think because um, yeah, it, it's a topic yeah. I'm super interested in. So
1: yeah. I am too. Um, I've only, I've only experienced, I've only been on an experience like that a couple of times, but um, each time they, they've been so profound uh, in so beautiful and very, in, in different ways that yeah. um, I've such a respect for it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's so misunderstood.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to close the loop by saying I think coffee is a plant medicine yes, um it's because true. of what it does for people um yeah. and what it I feel it has done for humanity. So um oh, Tim, definitely. thank you for thank thank you and Andrea um uh, yes. for your for your work in coffee and bringing right. us all these amazing coffee products and for for turning your passion into something we can put in our bodies. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, for having us on, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so it uh, a good time. Yeah, really appreciate it. We hope we get you back, Stomping Jack. Yep. Anything else we want to say
1: uh, to our peoples? We love you, our
0: fans, our listeners. Thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for
1: listening. Please wear a mask. Wear a mask. Be <laughs> safe. Get vaccinated.
0: All the stuff, right? All the stuff. All right, um, and finally, um, what do we say? Bye now. Okay, bye now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
2: All peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed.